Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you, and Happy Easter. Friends, today, Easter Sunday, is the day that makes all the difference. Easter is the event around which everything else in Christianity revolves. It is the center which holds it all together. That which conditions, influences, affects, determines, defines everything we're about, everything we do. All four Gospels, all the epistles of Paul and John, the theologies of Chrysostom and Jerome and Augustine and Origen, the poetry of Dante, Chartres Cathedral, the Summa of St. Thomas Aquinas, the Sistine Chapel ceiling, the sermons of Newman, all of Christian culture, all of it centers around the event of Easter, of Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Paul said it as clearly and succinctly as you could want. If Christ has not been raised, our faith is in vain. If Christ has not been raised, we might be saying and doing all kinds of interesting and attractive things, but finally it's all in vain. Everything centers around Jesus risen from the dead. Everything else is commentary. In a word, the resurrection is the gospel. It is the good news. When the first Christians, when Peter and Paul and John announced this message, they didn't talk primarily about Jesus' teaching. That came later. They didn't talk primarily about Jesus' deeds, his miracles. That came later. What they talked about was Jesus risen from the dead. That was the God spell, the good news, the gospel. That's what Christians preach year in, year out, every generation. That's what today is about. So what do we mean precisely when we say Jesus is risen from the dead? What is the heart of this gospel? Can I get at it first by specifying what we don't mean? We don't mean, even though some theologians in recent years and even across the centuries have suggested this, we don't mean that the resurrection is some vaguely symbolic way of talking about the fact that Jesus' cause goes on. Or that Jesus' spirit lives among us. I read a theologian not long ago who suggested that after the death of Jesus, his friends and disciples gathered. And they had a kind of memory circle. They told stories about him, remembered what he did, what he said. And in that 
nostalgic moment of remembering Jesus, they felt his spirit among them. Friends, that's not what the proclamation of the resurrection of Jesus is about. If that's all it means, I say, the heck with it. Look, any great figure, any teacher, any guru, any beloved person can inspire that kind of remembrance. When I was a student over in Europe, I used to love to visit the tombs of famous people. Père Lachaise Cemetery in Paris is a place where all kinds of famous people are buried. I'd spend hours and hours just walking around and visiting the graves of Abelard and Eloise. The grave of Jim Morrison, the lead singer for The Doors. The grave of Chopin, the great classical composer. The grave of Oscar Wilde, the writer. They're all there. And when you sit by a grave site, oh, you can remember the accomplishments of that person. What he did, what she said, what they were about. In fact, couldn't we imagine a group of, let's say, the admirers of Oscar Wilde gathering around the tomb of the great man? Maybe, in fact, reading from his writings. And in that circle of remembrance, feeling the spirit of Oscar Wilde still among them. In fact, one of them might be inspired to say, Oscar Wilde lives. If that's all that's going on with Jesus, the heck with it. If that's all that's going on, it would never justify this good news that was proclaimed by Peter and Paul and John and by every great Christian up and down the centuries. Let me draw a contrast. In Mark's account of Easter morning, three women come to the tomb of Jesus. They come bearing these oils with which they will anoint his body. It's one last sign of love and respect, one last gesture of their love for him. We could imagine them having anointed Jesus' body, now sitting around in a circle of memory, calling to mind his great words and deeds, recalling the tragedy of his death, wistfully remembering Jesus peaceful, nostalgic, calm. That's not what happened. In Mark's account, they come to the tomb, and there they see the stones and rolled away. Maybe it was someone trying to break in, a grave robber. It begins to dawn on them. It was not someone trying to break in. It was someone breaking out. They enter the tomb, and they see a young man in a white garment. And he says, Jesus, whom you're looking for, he's not here. He's been raised up. The women, it says, are terrified. You can imagine. They go into the tomb. The one they're looking for is not there, but there is someone in the tomb announcing this, this wonderful and terrible and surprising thing. They're terrified. And then Mark says, they left the tomb and they were so shaken. They were so scared out of their wits, they were afraid to speak. If you gather around the tomb of a beloved figure and you recall what he did or what she said, you're not terrified out of your wits. In this case, that was their reaction. 
not wistful nostalgia, terror. Why? Why? Because in this grave, something new had happened. At this grave, the laws of nature had been reversed. At this grave, God was doing something entirely new. What's the one fact that we would take as basic? The fact of death. It determines us in so many ways. Now these women see, through the power of God, even that great fact has been undone. What does Jesus' resurrection mean, therefore? It means that Jesus comes back bodily from the dead. Mind you, not like Lazarus, who was raised only to die again. Not like the daughter of Jairus, who was raised only to die again. But Jesus comes back from the dead in such a way that death itself is conquered. Death itself is undone. Paul says it. Death has no more power over him. That's why in Matthew's account, they say an earthquake shook the ground at the resurrection. There's great symbolic power in that. Earthquake is what shakes the one thing you take to be absolute, the ground you walk on. The one thing that won't change is, is the terra firma that I walk on. No, in an earthquake, that becomes fluid. So here, what's the great fact? Fact of death. No, that is now reversed and undone. Yes, an earthquake that shakes the very foundations of creation. Can I affect a correlation between this event and Christmas? C.S. Lewis said, when Jesus came, he came as a warrior. He came to fight, which is why he had to come so quietly and simply as a little child, slipping clandestinely behind enemy lines. Jesus comes to fight, and right away they oppose him, don't they? Herod tries to stamp him out. What's he come to fight? All those things that God hates. All those things that keep us from being fully alive. I mean, he fights hatred. He fights violence. He fights exclusion. He fights the inability to forgive. And so when Jesus comes upon the public scene, that's what he does. He proclaims in the face of all those powers, God's love and God's compassion and God's inclusion and God's nonviolence. More to the point, he acts those things out. He enters into the dysfunction of the world and he fights it. More to the point, he fights sickness and disease, those cosmic powers that keep us from being alive. Yes, he gives sight to the blind. He gives hearing to the deaf. Yes, even raising the dead. But what's the final enemy? What's the greatest power? death itself. That's Jesus' final enemy, and he fights it. How? By entering into close quarters with it. Staring it down. Entering into its very lair. Succumbing to it. Someone once complained to Lincoln about General Grant. 
Lincoln said, I can't spare this man. He fights. Grant entered into close quarters with the enemy and fought. So Jesus enters into close quarters with death. What occurs on Easter Sunday, on the Resurrection Day? God's victory over this final enemy. What does death do to us? It cramps us and constricts us and limits us and frightens us. Because we're afraid of death, we cave in on ourselves. Because we're afraid of death, we become defensive. Because we're afraid of death, you become my enemy. I become your enemy. In conquering death, Jesus finally conquers all those things that beset us. He conquers the greatest enemy of them all. Which is why Easter Sunday is Victory Day. A bunch of his disciples sitting around remembering his life. Nothing as banal as that. Rather, through God's power, Jesus breaking free from the confines of the tomb and breaking free from death itself so that we now can live in this new power. What's our job? To proclaim it as boldly as Paul did and as Peter and as John. Proclaim it as boldly as Dante and Thomas Aquinas did. Proclaim it as Teresa of Avila did and John of the Cross. Proclaim it as Mother Teresa of Calcutta with her whole life. Our job now is to proclaim to the world this power of Jesus risen from the dead. A power that unleashes life. A power that frees the world from the grip of death. We must become the announcers of this good news to all the world. God bless you and happy Easter. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. You want the kids to eat healthy foods. They want fast foods and sugary snacks. What's a parent or school administrator to do? Call FSP. We provide nutritious, kid-tested, kid-approved meal service to area schools. Our quality breakfast, lunch, and snack plans are easy to implement and affordable. Take the guesswork out of mealtime by calling FSP at 773-385-5100. FSP, we're more than a school food service.